0: This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Everything's customizable these days. Your trading platform can be, too. With Think or Swim, you can customize screeners, charting, and stock forecasts so the market is always tailored to you. You can get started at tdameritrade.com. Welcome to Industry Focus,
1: the podcast
0: that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day.
1: I'm your host, Emily Flippin.
0: I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today, we're talking financials.
1: Today, we're talking consumer goods. WildCard!
0: Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today, we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, May 4th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on today's financial show, we're digging into this past weekend's installment of the Berkshire Hathaway Annual Meeting. Of course, we've got a couple of stocks we're watching this coming week. Joining me as always it's certified financial planner Berkshire Hathaway meeting
1: know-it-all, I guess I could say Matt Frankel. Matt, what's going on? <laughs> oh, not much. I was I was supposed to be in Omaha this past weekend, know, but we man. all know what happened with that. I did so order bad. some of the cool. Um, I ordered some of the meeting like tchotchkes that they normally sell there. So I oh, at least kind of. I at least feel like I've like a like a pair of socks with Buffett's face on them and stuff like that. <laughs> So well, at least feel like I was there.
0: Yeah, you know, I I had the good fortune to go to the meeting. You know, it must have been seven years ago now, or so, seven or eight years ago. Um, and, and it obviously was in Omaha at, at the arena, and we were lucky. We got you know the press passes, so you get to go in there and sit up in the top row there, kind of looking down on the entire meeting. It's it's really kind of overwhelming to see how many people this meeting attracts year-in and year-out. I mean, calling it Woodstock for capitalists, I think it's pretty apropos. I mean, everybody's really excited to be there. It's not just the meeting, it's it's everything leading up to the meeting nights before. We went to Gorat's for dinner one night, you know, we had the had the steak there, and uh, I mean, now they've incorporated, I guess, what, that 5K run or whatever. So, they, they really are building this up to cater to an audience that I, I think you know this is certainly going to extend well beyond the years where where charlie and Warren are running the show here i mean it, it, it really speaks to the culture they've built there
1: yeah and i'm i'm planning to go next year um like i said they're they're getting older so i don't know how many are <laughs> are, are going to be with um, i mean they might retire you never know yeah yeah um, i mean know. with with at next year's meeting buffett will be 90 and munger will be 97 so yeah <laughs> and you know speaking of of that you know the, the the
0: age factor. I mean, obviously Warren was there. Charlie wasn't there this year, and um, I mean, uh, Warren certainly made sure everybody knew that he was feeling okay, and he just he just wasn't there. Um, I thought it was pretty neat to hear that Charlie Munger has uh, figured out <laughs> how to use Zoom, and uh, and he's zooming into some Berkshire meetings and, and helping helping get some stuff done just just through uh, the Zoom platform. That was that was pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if if just him being in like the highest risk group for the the, the virus is, has anything to do with him not traveling. It's a distinct so- possibility. I mean at at 96 that's the exact group that doesn't want to get this. That is an at-risk
0: population. That's the one that really needs to needs to make sure they stay out of harm's way for sure. Uh, well, you know, let's let's dig into what went on this weekend because you know, I I didn't sit down and watch the whole thing, but I caught it in drips and drabs and saw a lot of the notes, I read a lot of the stuff that we put out on fool.com. Matt, you wrote a great article there talking about earnings and more. So let's just open the discussion up here. With the numbers first for the business, right? Let's look at the quarterly performance for the business. Look at how how Berkshire Hathaway's company is doing. What stood out to you uh, in in the performance metrics, especially given the current
1: situation? Well, the, the headline numbers, first of all, don't really matter in Berkshire's case. Uh, Berkshire reported a loss of almost fifty billion dollars for the quarter, but the company didn't actually lose that money. That's just the uh, the performance of its stock portfolio by March thirty first. So the, the better numbers, operating profit, meaning how Berkshire's actual operating businesses, you know, like Geico, et cetera, did uh, operating profit increased by six percent from last year. So the operating businesses are okay. Sure. Um, it's really important to note that just the the declines in the in earnings and you know that giant loss I just mentioned are are just due to unrealized profits and losses in the stock portfolio.
0: Yeah. And, and it's worth noting, I mean, Berkshire is a very insurance-heavy business. I mean, rego- you know, it, let's look beyond just its stock portfolio. I mean, when you talk about those wholly-owned businesses, uh, the two biggest, if I'm not mistaken, are Burlington Northern, Santa Fe, and Geico. I think Burlington Northern actually is a little bit bigger, but for all intents and purposes, they're basically the same size. Um, but, but, I mean, that gives you an idea... Beyond the stock portfolio, the actual fundamental of this business—i mean, this is an insurance business for for the most part, it seems.
1: Yeah, Berkshire focuses on insurance. The railroad you said is a, a massive business. They also have their energy business, which is a huge component of it. Um, I know they own a bunch of utility companies, which is a, a big Buffett favorite. Yeah, and then a bunch of other kind of smaller—I say smaller, but I'm talking about like like Duracell and, and Dairy Queen, and um, you know, so these aren't like tiny businesses. And there's about sixty of them all together right now, so it's a you know that's a, those are doing okay as a whole. Some of them, like obviously the Berkshire's furniture stores are generally closed right now, so right like things like that. But for the most part, his businesses are pretty recession proof, and including this crash, which is decimating recession proof businesses, even yeah, um, a lot of them are doing just fine. Like Geico, um, yeah, they're they're giving everybody a fifteen percent refund on their auto insurance premiums. But I got to. I got to think that their exposure is de- declining by more than 15%, because no one's driving.
0: I would imagine, yeah, I would imagine that's a good way to look at it. I mean, it's certainly a nice way for businesses, and Ge- Geico certainly isn't the only one doing that, but what we're seeing a lot of insurance companies passing those savings along, and, and that's that's great to see. Um, but but to your point there, even, I mean, insurance, we, we look at as being, a, generally speaking, fairly recession-resistant. I mean, I don't think anything is really recession-proof, but I mean, insurance is a pretty reliable revenue stream, right? I mean, whether it's homeowners or auto or life, whatever it may be. I mean, insurance is one of those things that's a pretty reliable revenue stream. Which, um, given even even when you look forward and you see the uncertainty in the insurance space, we talked about this with travelers, of course, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I guess, mm-hmm. um, plenty of uncertainty there as far as as claims, frivolous and otherwise, but. But still, I mean, insurance is 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 a pretty stable business, and I think that's got to make investors feel pretty good. Now, when we we talk about Berkshire Hathaway, we talk about those wholly owned businesses, the culture that they've that they've built. We also talk about the investments that that Buffett and Munger make in in, in their in their uh you know their deputies there, Todd and Ted. They they are really good at investing, and we we looked at them as, as sort of our north star for a lot of a lot of reasons. There, it, it was a little bit surprising to me for all of the talking and the action and. In the opportunities that we saw come up come up here over the over the past several weeks here, given given the coronavirus situation, it really does look like Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway have been holding off on really putting a lot of that money to work, haven't they?
1: Yeah, they're. Uh, this really really shocked me when I saw the numbers. Their cash hoard has actually grown. Uh, now it's at a new record: one hundred thirty-seven billion dollars. Wow. So. It looks like they did buy some stocks. The number goes up for other reasons. For example, like, you know, their operating businesses generate some money that gets, you know, thrown into the cash pile. That doesn't mean they sold stocks. Yeah. Um, But it looks like they bought about $3 billion worth of stocks, just looking at the cost basis of the entire portfolio at the end of the year and then again at March 31st. So it looks like they bought about $3 billion. We'll find out what they bought in a couple weeks. But I got to say, I was disappointed at this. Um, You know, the big thesis for owning Berkshire as opposed to a more exciting growth stock is that Warren Buffett and his team are really good at putting money to work at the right times. Right, And it to, so far anyway, I mean, again, this only covers through March 31st, but so far it doesn't look like that's really <laughs> happened.
0: Now, why do you think that might be? I mean, do you, do you feel like maybe given the chain of command there, I mean, it, it does seem like they give Todd and Ted pretty much I don't want to say full autonomy, but it sure does feel like they have a lot of freedom to to just kind of do what they really feel like is best at any given point in time. What, what do you feel like, that is the trepidation more of a process thing? Or do you think, like, you know, we see, I've seen all over Twitter, I mean, everybody talking about Buffett not buying stocks, building up that cash hoard, you know, given the exposure Berkshire Hathaway, Hathaway has to such a cross-section of the economy perhaps they see more pain to come uh, what do you think it is do you think it's a process thing or do you think maybe they're thinking there's another shoe to drop
1: well i mean one thing buffett and munger both said is that they wanted to you know preserve their cash you know in case anything bad happens they want to have tons of cash there's nothing that could happen that you need 137 billion dollars for so <laughs> i i i buy that excuse for like the first like 40 or 50 billion of it yeah um however I'm not saying Buffett sees another shoe to drop here, but I don't think he he's convinced that the opportunities are going to be over anytime soon. I mean, right now the market's still pretty down in the dumps. Yeah. Um, and like I said, that only covered through March 31st, so he could he could have been buying stuff in April. Uh, he could buy stuff in May as the dust settles. Um, everyone always talks about his financial crisis investments, and I know you were going to bring that one up in a minute, but the Bank of America investment. Um, Well, yeah, jump into that minute for a minute because we all looked at that at the time
0: and thought Bank of America was kind of just getting out of that. uh, They they were kind of just getting out of that that whole mortgage-backed security crisis. There, you know, nasty acquisition, really, just almost had to basically write that thing to to zero. Was like countrywide. I mean, it was just they. they, It didn't seem like it.
1: it Just kind of left a bad taste in your mouth. It took a little while for that to play out. Yeah, definitely, and I mean it. The thing that really people should remember, if you're disappointed about Berkshire's non-investment right now, as I kind of am, keep the timetable of that in mind. The Bank of America investment, even now, um, essentially quadrupled Buffett's money. Um, He put in five billion dollars, ended up with it's over twenty billion dollars right now. Yeah. So, but he quadrupled. But keep the timetable in mind. He didn't even make that investment until 2011. Meanwhile, the financial crisis was 2008-2009, to 2009. Yeah, so a lot of these companies are going to be hurt for a while. And he mentioned the Fed's action. Um, the Fed and the government have just been injecting money into the businesses in the economy right now. Yeah. So, a lot of businesses aren't knocking on the door yet, needing money or needing funding or anything like that, because they're getting it from the government. That's not going to last forever. So, I see kind of a longer-tailed, you know, trickle of businesses running into capital problems as this plays out, Um, we'll see how much the government keeps doing. I don't know if they're going to pass a $2 trillion spending bill every few weeks to keep this thing going. (laughs) Um, I'd (laughs) argue
0: that if they intend on keeping things shut down, they better just plan on keeping this as a revolving door, because as long as they want to keep things shut down, they're going to have to keep the spigot open.
1: I agree. my, My worry is that they're going to let everything reopen, you know, two, three, four, whatever months from now. And then Demand isn't going to come back a hundred percent right away, and that's when yeah. you're going to see some businesses start to hurt. And well, that's, that's when a, Buffett's phone might ring.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point there. I mean, I think we've talked about the two sided nature of what you know the recovery. Whenever we we see this recovery start materialize, it, it is going to be a slow chug, right? I mean, it's not going to be something where you just open the doors and everybody's back out and at them. And I mean, we've seen a great example there. I mean, whether you agree or disagree with with uh, you know states reopening their economies and at least giving restaurants, for example, the opportunity to get their businesses back open. It's not saying you have to, it's saying there's the option. You have that option to do that if, if you want, if you feel like you can do it in a, safe, uh, in, in a safe fashion. And we're certainly seeing some do it, but we're seeing plenty saying, you know what, I think I'd, I'd rather feel, uh, feel a little bit better just, just hang on for a little while longer, seeing how this plays out. So, I mean, I think it all speaks to, the, to it will be a slow recovery. It's not going to be something that just happens overnight.
1: That's true. And uh, South Carolina just opened its restaurants today for outdoor seating. Oh wow! Uh, Yeah,
0: well, see, I mean, that's and and a lot of
1: places are being smart about it. They're like, you know, blocking off half the parking lot and putting big tents up and putting tables under them. Well, I mean, that's what (laughs) they're being smart. We're
0: seeing a lot of great innovation. You know, we're seeing a lot of great innovation. And my mom and dad are down in Georgia. I mean, they're they're they see both sides of it as well. I mean, it's it's a frustrating time, but you know, by the same token, you, you. You give people at least the choice to try something, and you're starting to see some neat innovation there and new ways of doing things. And whether it's a restaurant or a a doctor's office, we're certainly seeing uh, innovation in all sorts of of, uh, areas of the economy now. Um, I wanted to ask you about buybacks. Uh, You know, we've seen Buffett's uh, buyback philosophy evolve over time. I mean, they had that, I think, 1.2 times book. uh, sort of a measuring stick that they've always been using, then they kind of open it up to their discretion. Have they been buying back much of their own stock lately?
1: Uh, this is another one. <laughs> you're, you're bringing up all the bad stuff, Jason. Well, we'll get to some uh, good stuff in a minute. <laughs> um, the, Berkshire spent $1.7 billion thereabouts on buybacks during the quarter, which is high compared to some recent quarters, but it's you know 0.4% of their outstanding sh- shares. Not doing big buybacks. and. Not just the amount of the buybacks; it's the timing that's been frustrating. Um, just to name the biggest part of the buyback, they spent a little over a billion dollars in late February at an average price of two hundred fourteen dollars. Um, the company's currently trading for one seventy-seven. Um, at the end, of, toward the end of March, the Berkshire was trading in the one sixties at one point. Um, you know, actually below book value. You mentioned the one point two multiple. Right. They actually went below book value for a period, wow. and the company didn't buy any in that time. Ouch. So that's the what's frustrating, and and Buffett addressed this during the meeting. Now the way he explained it, and it makes sense to some degree, is that they look at a snapshot in time and whether or not shares are trading for more or less than their intrinsic value. At the bottom of the collapse, you know the stock price had been down, you know, forty percent or whatever, or the stock portfolio that Ber- Berkshire owns. And he, yes, while well, the Berkshire stock price had declined. So did the value of the assets it represents, right. and it didn't represent that much of a discount to the assets as it might have appeared. It's not just Berkshire's stock price; it's the stock price relative to the asset value as as they're hitting the buyback button.
0: I do get that. I mean, that does make sense. That 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 does make sense. I, I do get it. Um, I guess it goes to show that uh, you know even even the uh, even the great ones it's it's still not always so cut and dry and um, and it's 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 a marathon not a sprint too. I mean I think that's something that's always worth remembering. Is it just your Bank of America point there? I think was a really good one in that you see something there, but we we can never really nail down the actual time, and that's why we take patience in that long view. Uh, into into such account as yeah, is and, and like you question.
1: said, like the 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 government's. I, I I agree with you that as long as they're going to keep things shut down, the government will throw money at this thing. The fear is, like, you know, after this is over, you, if it's same thing during the financial crisis with the big stimulus packages that came in oh eight and oh nine. Did you hear about any stimulus packages in twenty ten when people were still going going into foreclosure and things like that? No. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to have this kind of long tailed problem that people are going to start running out of money after this is over because demand's not going to come up right away and there's no more government help coming. So, you know, Buffett said the phone's not ringing yet. There's a good reason for it. People don't need money. Yep. Um or companies don't need money, and if they do, they're getting it from the government at at much better terms than Buffett would give. My promise you that. I would imagine. Um, Buffett, <laughs> yeah, Buffett would imagine. usually <laughs> wants you know minimum for a, a great investment opportunity. Buffett wants a six to seven percent return on capital. Yeah, and that's yeah. for a fantastic opportunity. Um, if he's taking risk, he wants even more than that. So, and right now, I think. That, the CARES Act loans were at, what, 1% interest, with a lot of it re- forgivable. Yeah. Um, yeah, Buffett's not going to give anyone that. So, no, not at all. Um, as long as the government uh, funding is available, um, it makes sense that there wouldn't be any big opportunities. I wish he would have put more money in the stock portfolio. I get why there's no acquisition opportunities. But I, I wish he would have put more of that money to work in stocks, um, especially when great companies like Apple were like down in the dumpster in the past, past month or so.
0: That's a good point. It's a good point. Well, before we continue, I want to remind everybody that this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. In these unprecedented times, having access to the right information can help you make better informed investing decisions for today and tomorrow. T.D. Ameritrade is committed to providing you with a range of relevant educational content like timely articles, informative webcasts, and even access to daily live market news, so you can stay on the path to becoming a smarter investor. To learn more about the breadth of resources, go to tdameritrade.com. T.D. Ameritrade, where smart investors get smarter. Okay, Matt, I don't mean to harp on the bad news here, but we have (laughs) to address really the elephant in the room here, and that is the airlines. Uh, This is one where, I'd imagine airlines probably build a pretty firm stance on whether you think airlines are a good investment or not, but the bottom line is that uh, Berkshire has, I, I think, liquidated their full positions in their four major airline investments that they had. Um and and I mean that was what American Delta Southwest and United they announced uh, he announced on Saturday they've dumped those shares and are moving on to greener pastures now I I don't I I don't hold that against against him at all I mean I, I've I've certainly always sided on the one I don't want to invest in airlines I just generally speaking I'm not a big fan um, and I've talked about why before. Um, now, I personally think there's a great lesson here for investors. I think this is one of these these times where we can still glean uh, lessons from the old man here. And and I think being able to, you know, look at a situation and and change your mind when the facts change, uh, admit that hey, maybe you got it wrong, and move forward. I mean, there's an opportunity cost to hanging on there to see if this thing bounces back. And I think it's probably reasonable to assume that airlines. Uh, aren't going to bounce back in a quick fashion, regardless uh, of, of the recovery timeline. Um, but what was your take there? I mean, that that was that was. I don't know. Did you feel like those were good investments from the beginning, or I mean, I don't know. He seems so conflicted on
1: airlines. I, I thought. I don't know if they were good investments in the beginning. Um, I mean, I, like this is an unprecedented situation. No one could could have seen it coming. Right. This just completely changes the the dynamics of you know a thousand different stocks, not just the airlines. Um, but having said that, I don't necessarily think that there that airlines are a bad long term investment right now. I mean, some of them are in bad shape, like American, for example. I think is in pretty terrible shape. Um, but there are some, you know, good long term risk risk reward op per, uh, profiles there. But it's just the the Buffett quote that this really reminds me of is the one that says it's better to buy a wonderful business at a fair price than a fair business at a wonderful price. Yeah. And right now. Airlines are fair businesses selling at wonderful prices at best. Yeah. Um, so Buffett doesn't like fair businesses at wonderful prices. So it makes sense that he would keep that, try to you know pull out that capital and set it aside for when there are some wonderful businesses to buy at fair prices. It's kind of where I think his heads out with this. It's not that he doesn't think that you know United Airlines is going to be worth more in ten years than it is today. It's not that he doesn't think that. It's that he doesn't know enough to make that call at this point, and yeah. he's not willing to roll the dice with his investors' money.
0: Yeah, and I think that makes sense. I mean, I think a lot of us would probably look at this and think that the airlines are going to be one of the they're going to be dealing with a tougher situation than, than a lot. Um, they're not going to go away, but yeah, just I don't know. Airlines have always struck me as sort of commodity like, in that you know people are just ultimately trying to get from point A to point B, and they want to do it for a cheap it, price. And there's some histor- loyalists,
1: but they're historically poorly run. Yeah, yeah. Um, in t- I mean, in terms of capital, I mean, you mentioned. I think we talked about it on the, one of the other shows where they've spent like what ninety four, ninety six percent of their money on buybacks. Yeah, um, yeah, Over the past few years, like th- that's terrible.
0: It is, <laughs> like, and, and especially given the capital uh, nature of those businesses, the heavy capital nature of those businesses. I mean, that's that's yeah. I, I do feel like that's one where you really want to build up that rainy day fund. You want to have an exceptional rainy day fund because you got to figure that rainy day is coming every once in a while.
1: Right. It's like, I don't think stocks are a bad place to put your money, but if I spent 96% of what I make on the stock market, it wouldn't leave a whole lot of cushion if I needed money for anything else. <laughs> no. So,
0: <laughs> Which is why we tell people not to do that,
1: Matt. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's just, there's a reason that airlines have been bankrupt a few times before and, and that you know Buffett stayed away from them for so long. There's a reason for it, but… I don't yeah. know. This this just threw a wrench in his plans. Yeah, I mean not thing. the
0: greatest investment, but you know what? I look at it I look at it from the from the glass at full perspective. I just think this is a great a great lesson for younger investors to take away is that you know, when the facts change, be willing to change your mind. And I think that gets easier the older you get. Um, but, you know, there's always a little hubris there, you never really want to admit you got it wrong. And anyone argue, you can make the argument, oh, you hang on to those shares, just give it time, it'll come back? Maybe, maybe not. You know, there's an opportunity cost to hanging on to those shares. You could put that money to work elsewhere. And I bet you they probably are thinking very long and hard about that right now as well. You know, it, it the quote that you, you noted there earlier, uh, the quote this just made me think of was, uh, you hear from him and Sir Richard Branson, you want to be a millionaire? Start with a billion dollars and launch a new airline. <laughs> um, you know that that seems to seems to be about how how that market works out. Um, okay, Matt. Before we wrap up the discussion here on Berkshire, I think everyone is always thinking about this going into the meeting and, and thinking about it probably even more as as the meeting uh, wraps up. What where do we stand on the succession question? Is there any more clarity there? Or are we still kind of left just uh, more or less guessing?
1: Not really. I mean, the, the the decision to have Greg Abel sitting at the chair next to him instead of Munger, instead of some of the other candidates. Yeah. Yeah, you know, may, maybe I'm. I think uh, Abel's the the younger of the two of the vice chairman. I'm not 100 percent of that, but I'm pretty sure he's the younger of the two. Uh, the two stock pickers are not in the in the mix. Um, uh, Ted and Todd are going to be the stock pickers. They're not going to be the CEO.
0: And I imagine uh, they probably wouldn't want to be. They're probably they've probably got their dream jobs. I bet you they right. love what they so,
1: to do. They don't want to. They don't want to run Berkshire. <laughs> they want to run some of its investments. Yeah. Um. So, I, I still I I mean my opinion is it's going to be Abel, but. Um, All right. Either of the two vice chairmen would would do just fine in the role. They've been with Berkshire for a while, and I mean, they're, uh, Abel has been with Berkshire through '99. He's been there twenty years. He's trusted. Like <laughs> War no one else has ever sat in that chair next to Warren Buffett during the during Berkshire's meetings. That's a very good. So point. for him to be the first.
0: Well, it's good to know. know that he's willing and
1: able Uh, (laughs) that. I see what you did there.
0: (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Um, Okay. Well, before we wrap up the show, of course, we want to jump into our ones to watch stocks that we've got on our radar here for the coming week. Uh, Matt, I'll let you take it here. What is the stock you are watching this week?
1: Well, I mentioned that there are some opportunities long-term in the airlines. I'm watching Southwest Airlines. I've been a fan for a while. I've been thinking of buying shares at these lower prices. and. Not that I like to go against Buffett, but I don't think he sold Southwest because he thinks it's a terrible business. Uh, the re- I like it for two reasons. One, it's the best capital position of any of the four major airlines, meaning that they could survive, they have the liquidity for a ex- more extended shutdown than any of the other three. Right. And two, they're pretty much exclusively dependent on domestic business, which I think domestic air travel is going to come back a lot quicker than international travel.
0: I think that's probably a fair assumption. I think that's a
1: fair assumption. So yeah, like like American and Delta their international routes are going to be shut down for for the foreseeable future. But, uh Tre- Treasury Secretary Mnuchin just said this morning that he doesn't see international travel really making a rebound anytime soon, but it's a, it's a quote, it's a great time to explore America. Yeah,
0: yeah, pr- yeah, that's that's a good it's a big country with a lot of cool stuff and uh, probably a good time to keep booking.com on your radar as well. Uh, but Booking.com is not the stock I'm going with. Actually, the one I'm keeping on my radar this this uh, week is PayPal. Uh, PayPal earnings come out on May 6th, so on Wednesday. Uh, you know, Ultimately, just, just looking at all of the usual suspects in, in regard to the report, total accounts, money flowing through the networks, uh, how Venmo's doing. There was a really good interview recently uh, through Fortune with CEO Dan Schulman, who just uh, talked about how this this certainly this period of time has accelerated the move towards digital payments and and um, and what they're doing there with with PayPal and and uh, you know other networks like Stripe and Square and whatnot. So uh, just just really looking for just a, a just sort of a status update with how the company's doing. I'm sure they're doing really well and. Um, I remain a very happy shareholder, but we will find out this week. Uh, But that's going to do it for us this week, Matt. I appreciate you taking the time out to give us the lowdown on what happened with the Berkshire Hathaway Annual Meeting this year. And fingers crossed for you, my man, I think that you'll be able to get to it next year. And I know that if you do, you're going to love it.
1: Yeah, hopefully we'll be having this um, conversation with me in a uh, at, at the arena or in a hotel room somewhere in Omaha next year. Nah, so. Maybe,
0: I'll, maybe I'll buy a ticket and come out there and join you. It's it's always worth the trip. <laughs> it's a fun event. But stay six feet away. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. And remember, folks, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus or drop us an email at industryfocus at fool dot com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to our man, Austin Morgan, for making a magic happen. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.